This is Inside the Times. I'm Susan Lehman. Times photographer Daniel Berluck photographed 41 murder scenes, 57 bodies, and 35 days in Manila. When he took office in June, Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte said he would be happy to kill millions of people if necessary to rid his country of drugs. Duterte's war has already claimed thousands of lives, including nearly 2,000 who were killed by Philippine police. What is it like to be on the seeing end of the camera, to bear witness and to take photos that are difficult to look at? In this podcast, Pulitzer Prize-winning Times photographer Daniel Bereluk talks about his experience. Hello, Daniel. Hi there. You photographed a drive-by execution, a back-alley assassination, a dead body lying on the ground like trash, and a funeral at which a six-year-old girl is crying out for her papa. Tell us what it was like to be there with a camera. It was difficult. You're trying to, to do your job and focus in on, on these emotions and, and the people, and you're watching the whole scene, and, and you're trying to understand what the dynamics are of, of the family, and you're really just trying to hit home what effect this is having on people. Let's step back for a moment. Where do you begin when you set out to report or to photograph a story like this? Mostly it it would start with the crime scenes themselves, and then we would investigate beyond that to find out what actually happened. Because what actually happened most times was contrary to what the police reports were saying. The police reports would say that it was a buy-bust operation, meaning that the police would turn up and try to buy some drugs off these people. Many of the victims were surrenderees and had not used in the last three months or four months. Stop and tell us what surrenderees are. When Duterte came into power, he gave, I suppose, a break to the drug users that if they were to surrender, that they would receive an amnesty. They were put onto a list and then they were saying that even the people that surrendered were being targeted. It was not only the users and and the pushers, it was certainly the surrenderees as well. That may be one of the most ghastly aspects of the story. Addicts who surrendered were promised amnesty and were instead shot. Daniel, some of your photos show bodies in the street, their heads wrapped in tape. Can you tell us what that is? The bodies wrapped in tape are what what people call a summary execution in the Philippines. And this is the... The body of a, of a person who has their hands bound behind their back, their face taped in packing tape, and most, most times they are accompanied with a placard that has read, in the past, I'm a pusher, don't follow me, usually a cautionary message. And that is left by who? That's a very good question, left by what people define as vigilantes. How much of a hand in these killings did the police have? Or what is the suspicion on the street? Is there a sense? The suspicion on the street is that that it's perpetrated by the police. That's what people are saying. There have been police that have certainly, you know, talked under the guise of anonymity and they have come out and said that they've been ordered by the commanders to put these groups of men together. And they are going out to basically get the kill rate high and have as many kills as possible. You know, some of the police commanders in in the areas have been reprimanded for their kill rates that have been low. Is kill rate your term or is that a term of, forgive the expression, a term of art? 
No, it's a rate that's being touted around and talked about by journalists in the Philippines. Okay, so tell us about your work as a photographer. You're there in the street. What are you trying to capture? There's a corpse in front of you, and there's panicked, grieving people. What are you looking to catch? I'm trying to catch the emotion of the scene. I'm trying to catch, I suppose, the human impact. These aren't bodies. You know, these are family members, these husbands, these are fathers. And what I was trying to do was to to give these people a face and a name and to put things into context of the effect that this war was having on the communities and the people in, in Manila. Tell us how it affects you to be there taking photos and bearing witness. You know, it's sometimes tough. It's sometimes tough to be there with, with the camera. Sometimes it acts as a shield and sometimes it's just you that's there and you have to kind of process your emotions. And then what I try to do is I remind myself what what is my role there. And what is your role there? Tell us. My role there is to communicate. It's to communicate all these people's emotions and their feelings. It's often said that the barrage of violent images has a numbing effect. It's hard to imagine that taking these pictures had anything like a numbing effect on you. What do you have to say about that? I mean, there were, there were certainly times that it, it, it absolutely was a numbing effect. I mean, I, I, I couldn't feel anything. Give us an example, if you would, of, of an incident in which you were taking a photograph and you shut down in order to get your job done. It was it was that scene with uh, the little six year old Jim G. Um, when when the coroners are coming to uh, remove uh, her father's coffin, Jim Boy, who was who was taken by vigilantes, and then his body was you know thirty minutes after he was taken by marked men and put onto a motorbike was found dead under a bridge. And I covered the the funeral. There were two funerals, two friends that were taken, two neighbors from in front of their homes. And yeah, it was covering Jim Boy's funeral and, and having his six-year-old daughter crying in anguish and screaming Papa as the funeral workers were trying to take the coffin away. It was, it was times like that, that it was tough, but I had to, like, override my my emotions. Thank you so much. I know it's very difficult to talk about this, and I'm grateful for your work and also for your willingness to talk with us about what was clearly very difficult to witness. Daniel, I, you, you've covered all kinds of wars and traveled to 60 countries. How did this assignment compare to others? Was this tougher than any you'd had before or no? It was definitely one of the toughest. It was the toughest in a way that that you're covering no you're, you're you're covering these scenes the most difficult thing was like covering them day after day night after night and knowing that that things are just going to continue was there a time when you thought you know what i can't go out tonight it's too much it was only towards the sort of end of the assignment and and i was asked by my editor to kind of like start writing and it was, I suppose, it was then when I was looking back at my photographs and going back to those 
moments and kind of tra- channel, you know, the energy from those evenings and put it down on paper that it, it was kind of overwhelming and, and, you know, I got, I got sick for a few days towards the end and I still kept on working, but it was only sort of then that, you know, I felt like after about three, three and a half weeks, I was like completely emotionally drained and then I was physically drained as well. And I mean, look, one, one thing that I, that I have to say is, you know, respect to, all of the Filipino journalists who have been there covering this from the start and, you know, all the families that experience this, you know, we, we go on an assignment and we, we get there and we do the best that we can, but we get to leave. Where are you going next, Daniel? I have a short assignment in Cambodia and then I'm heading back to the Philippines in two weeks' time. Reporting on the same story. Reporting on the same story to kind of see the developments and what has changed, if anything, and to focus on some different a- aspects of the story that, that, that was certainly difficult to capture or illustrate. Let's talk about some of the specific photos that you took. The photograph of the dead body that's just slumped over in the street with and looking like trash. It's a young woman, I think. During this scene, I've probably taken probably three, 400 images of... You know, the police doing their investigation, the position of the bodies in the street, just kind of just, I don't know, in a way, uh, trying to show how unnatural this is in such a common setting. One of the most disturbing photos is one in which there is no body. It was labeled death at home, and apparently it was taken after a man who was killed in his living room. And the photo just shows the living room and blood splashed over most of the furnishings. That's a, that's a scene where Floor John Cruz was killed. He was 34 years old and he was fixing the transistor radio of his grandmother when police kind of burst in through an open door. Some of the guys were, according to the, to the grandmother, were masked. Other guys weren't. They immediately asked Floor John what he had in his hand and slapped him and ordered his grandmother out of the room. And that would be the last time that his grandmother would see Floor John alive. And- in addition, you took photographs inside the morgue where we see images of bodies stacked up like firewood. That was the day that we followed Maria Depardin to the morgue. She had just buried her first son that was killed within a week. It was three days after the funeral. She was going to try to negotiate to get the, the price down so she could have a wake and respectfully bury her, her eldest son, Danilo. When you're standing there in front of that pile, what's going through your head? At that point in time, I'm, I'm trying to f- compose the frame. I'm watching these guys as they're stacking the bodies. And it felt so, um, so unnatural to see bodies being stacked in that way, piled on top of each other. My heart is beating so fast, trying to make sure that I'm doing my job, that I'm composing, that I'm not messing up the the frame whatsoever so there are so many things that are going through the mind but one of the one of the craziest things was you know seeing you know the these 
these victims just being stacked like like firewood on top of each other, some without any, you know, hardly any coverings whatsoever. Were there any photographs that were just too grisly and too awful to share or to, to publish? There were a number of photographs that I didn't file in because they were too gruesome to share, absolutely. Why do you do this, Daniel? I think that we have a, a responsibility, and I feel it's important to, for us to know what's going around the world and, and, you know, if there's crimes being perpetrated, if there's injustices um, being done, that, you know, these, it has to be documented. It has to be documented for historical reasons, you know, as cautionary tales for future generations and also for current generations as an opportunity for us to stop this from going on. I mean, if we don't know that it's going on, I mean, how, how can we stop it? Daniel Barilla, good luck, and thank you very much for being a witness and for documenting what you saw. No oh, pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. This is Inside the Times. I'm Susan Lehman. Thank you to Pedro Rosado, our producer, and thank you for listening.